0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Well, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, depending where you are. This is Ursula Pottinger, and I'm here with Anne Betts and a very special guest that we will introduce in a moment, Jillian Rowinski. And welcome to Blog Talk Radio and the Be Above Show on Parenting Above the Line and How Neuroscience Helps. (laughs) <laughs> so hello
0: and so nicely hello said hi Ursula hi <laughs> Ursula hi so Jillian. nicely said well I want to introduce the fabulous Jillian Rowinski who we have known for many years and we invited her on today because she is a parenting expert. Uh, she has a wonderful blog called Unlearning Supermom. Now she's probably going to laugh when I call her an expert cuz she she
2: probably <laughs> holding one back.
0: of the things I know what one of the things I love about Jillian is she's magnificently humble and you know sort of like how do any of us call us an expert when children are so rich and complex? <laughs> But I love the I love the title, Jillian, of your blog, Unlearning Supermom. This idea that we have, you know, it's you, your your take on things. To me, is about being present, about being with your kids, about not having to do it perfectly. And I think that really, really fits with. Um, the, the seven levels and I know the other reason we invited Jillian is like me and Ursula she has used the seven levels and neuroscience with her children and with herself so welcome thank you so much I'm so glad to be here uh well tell us um we'll all just we thought we'd go around and tell you about our context as parents and our children so Jillian
2: tell us what how many kids do you have and how old are they I make a lot of jokes about how many kids I have. Some days it feels like 27, <laughs> and some days it feels like 106. But I, I technically have three. <laughs> uh, so my oldest, uh, Zosha, is nine. And then Lily is our second daughter, and she is seven and a half. And she would be, it would be very important for me to mention the half. Um, and then Ander, our little guy, just turned two at the end of April this year. So I have three.
0: Oh wow. And a nice variation of the under ten ages. Wow. <laughs> yes.
1: And then Ursula, yeah, you're sort of on the other end of things. What did you I got? Just, oh my god, thank God I'm on the other end. Uh you know, as we as we chatted earlier a little bit, I you know, I was saying, you know, I can't remember anymore when it felt like I have I had hundred and twenty seven kids. Um I uh, have raised um more or less more or less successfully um, two beautiful children into adulthood. Uh, Jessica is 31, I hate to admit it, and Nadine is 36, which is even more uh, crazy. (laughs) Um, it's just like I can't even I can't even get that number over you know over my tongue, and uh, subsequently I also have two granddaughters. Um, Colby will be a year this coming weekend, and Kennedy uh, will be four in November. And just like with you, Julian, it is very important to mention that she will be four. <laughs> it's not a anymore. She'll be four. <laughs> Memories and, uh, you know, sort of somewhat bumbling experiences as it relates to children, now grandchildren, um, and it is just, a, as yeah. you said, and, and you, and it is fascinating.
0: <laughs> they are, you know, I think about, so I have, um, this is Anne, and I have one, and I have my wonderful 21-year-old son, Noah, 22-year-old son, Noah, oh, my God, He just graduated from college and is on his way to graduate school in the fall. And so what is more sort of top of mind and of memory for me is like really the last eight years. And I was saying to Jillian, oh, You know, I have these sort of shiny memories of him when he's, you know, Zosha's age of like, oh, we're just going to the beach and it's so wonderful and we're exploring bugs and, you know, but I can really, you know, what's really clear to me is how challenging those like, oh, my God, middle school and high school and early college Uh years were. Uh So... Um, So there's the range that we've got, everything from a year old to all the way to 36. And um, (laughs) we thought we would talk a little bit about, before we go into how we've used neuroscience and the seven levels of consciousness, a little bit, Ursula and I wanted to just do a couple minutes on why we combine this work on consciousness, which is really the seven levels of effectiveness in this Um, we could say maybe developmental model of awareness, of an increase in awareness, why we combine that with something as sort of um, factual and data-driven as neuroscience. So, Ursula, what would you want to say about that?
1: Um, I wanted to, uh, I I would start uh, for those listeners that uh, have not heard about the seven levels and, uh, you know, don't know what it is. just wanted to very briefly um, tell the listener that, um, just as Anne said, it's it's in a developmental model of of awareness. And there are uh, three levels that we are calling below the line levels. There are hopelessness, fear, and frustration. Uh, I'm sure this will be unpacked in a minute (laughs) when we talk about children. Ah! Um, (laughs) um, And then there are four above the line levels, and there are courage, engagement, Innovation and synchronicity, um, and so there are the above the line levels that really help us be um, more present, more conscious, and the below the line levels are really where we are more reactive and that is where neuroscience fits in so and what would That's you want to said. see about the neuroscience
0: yeah, I think the we started working with these levels just because we personally wanted some kind of roadmap to where do we point our energy? How do we orient ourselves toward, um, you know, for, for, I think for both me and Ursula and it's what we really came together with as business partners back when Nadine was 18, I was thinking, Oh my gosh, she's 36. I've known her half her life. Um, So 18, 18 years of trying to figure out, am I going the right direction? in terms of opening my heart and becoming a better person. And and what happened about eight years ago is we started to see that rather than this just being a, you know, good idea or a spiritual idea, it really was a very practical idea in that. And pretty much the bottom line is in many ways the brain operates differently depending on what level of effectiveness or consciousness you're in. And that has enabled us to speak about this this model of working toward being more open-hearted, more present, et cetera. It's enabled us to translate this into organizations, uh, into working with um, doctors, engineers, Uh, scientists, people like that who don't necessarily orient as much around a spiritual idea but can around a scientific idea. And so that's really the, the passion and the work of our lives. The other thing I want to say about that is it also gave us a whole new way of interacting with this kind of how do I continue to move toward a greater degree of consciousness. And one of my biggest teachers in all of this was my son, particularly when he was an adolescent, and a complete pain in the kula. You know <laughs> I I right. no. Let's not tell our
1: children let's not tell our children that we are doing a parenting programme on them. <laughs> that. Oh, good Lord, no, please <laughs> Please, please. Um, I, I just so. wanted to just to add uh, something very briefly, and I think it's really um, it's a really powerful um, it's a powerful thing to be able to understand what happens in your brain, in your body, and how the chemicals uh, mess up your reaction to the world and to human beings and, you know, and, and how it really has helped me understand what goes on in the brain of someone else has been really, has been hugely, hugely helpful.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit, gang, about, before we go to solutions, let's just, <laughs> as, as three moms and one grandma, talk about what are some of the classic major challenges in parenting? And if if we could, I think let's start from the bottom up and, and I'll kind of hold back a bit because you guys are really looking at the little kids. So let's start mm-hmm. with little kids and then we'll look at sort of the middle and then the teenage and then the adults. So what are some of the classic challenges when you're dealing with one, two, three, four, five, six year olds?
2: Ursula, do you want me to go first? Yes. Oh, oh. Yes, please. <laughs> just this my life. Well and the, and like like in case our kids ever do hear this, I do wanna acknowledge I love my kids so much. And, mm-hmm. and there are lots of huge, big challenges. I think the biggest one, because I thought about this a bit before, uh, before calling in and talking to you both, I think the biggest challenge as a parent is just the big emotional blowouts. So for mm-hmm. Andrew, like the tantrums are just really, really challenging to know what to do with. And the girls, are only a year and a half apart. Um, the fights, like when they get mad at each other and they're just fighting constantly. Those are the biggest, mm-hmm. hugest challenges for me right now. How to deal with those.
0: Oh, God, that I just want to Mm -hmm. say one, you know, and one of the things that I think about, this is where kids and, and kids and pets sort of, you know, it's it's that they can't tell you they don't, they haven't developed the language and the awareness and the understanding. I mean, a lot of adults can't tell you either, but at least you have a, at least you have a fighting chance,
1: but (laughs) Uh little kids,
0: they don't even know what's making them so upset. So Uh Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ursula, what's your perspective on the little, little ones?
1: Uh, you know, it's uh, it's very interesting. As a grandmother, one does have a completely different perspective on everything. Um, and so, you know, the tantrums now I find hilarious and funny and hugely entertaining because they do not impact me as much anymore because they're sort of like, I don't know how to say this, but there is less at stake. I remember... Mm. When my children, you know, as I would call, misbehave, and they had a the major, you know, meltdown in the middle of a store, and everybody is looking at me going, oh, what a what pointless parent is she, you know, I felt personally <laughs> inadequate. Now, with my granddaughter, it's sort of like, you know, I totally get it. I totally understand it. I know she'll grow out of it. So I have a, there is just a much lighter perspective. Mm. Uh, on on that, and I completely agree with Julian. For her parents, um, it's the no, the no, I don't wear that, and no, I'm not going to bed, and no, I'm not eating that. It's that uh, trying to reason with a, an almost four year old, you know, is a really is a big challenge. And um, and then you know, having this delicate balance between discipline and freedom. And that used that that used to be my biggest challenge. I think when the, my kids were growing up, I over calibrated on discipline, um, and I now see the challenge of that, and also from a neuroscience perspective, um, that that wasn't the smartest thing. Um, so those are the things that I have I have mm. seen and. Um, and what I, you know, certainly remember from the time when they were growing up and, you know, were teenagers and middle schoolers.
0: I want to, I, I just love that, um, and I'm looking forward to, not right away, but, you know, in the next 10 years or so having the grandparent experience too because there's a, I like how you say, we don't take it as personally, I can really see that. You said something really cool, and there are a number of things, but one of them was when we try to reason with our kids. And I think about this um, in terms of the um, the adolescent stage of, and you know, sort of as they get a little as they get a little older, past the early kid stage, and they become more, you know, when I'm thinking about ten through <laughs> twenty eight, <laughs> they they have they're, they're, they're more clever in their arguments. Mm-hmm. And at yeah. the same time, we're trying we're trying to reason with this being who is not fully capable of reason. So, Jillian, what have you seen with your older daughter that's uh, different than the little little ones?
2: This is so interesting. I like. I wish you guys could be videotaping this because I've just been nodding my head the whole time. Everything that (laughs) Ursula was saying about like how it's hard to be a parent with tantrums because of all the shame and judgment. I'm like, yes, oh yes, totally that. Um, but this is my and I've talked about this a lot with my friends who have young kids. Um, My sister specifically, she has a two-year-old son. I think he's getting close to three now, and he's got this incredible language ability. Like he just speaks full sentences. He's incredible. He's like this brilliant little boy. And the challenge with that is that we think that he's older than he is, like he's still three. And even with my nine-year-old, like she's so intelligent and the way that she speaks and the way that she, like the thoughtful questions she asks, I keep him, like I sometimes I'll respond to her as if she's an adult. And then I very quickly have to remind myself, she's just nine. She's just a kid. Like she really has no idea. And I can't expect Adult reasoning and thoughtfulness from her, I really do need to treat her as a child. And that's been a huge parenting learning for me to remember that my kids' brains are still developing until 25. So, really, until like around ish, 25. I can't expect much out of them until then, which is a lot of freedom. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it is. And you're really pointing to this very interesting and i think this was one of my biggest challenges when i think about um, i was a single mom from the time that noah was 13 you know up through present and his father was really a presence in his life but we we were divorced and parented separately so you know a lot of it and in terms of emotionally i was the point person for that i always used to say you know noah's like a one man dog and i'm his man you know a one person dog and i'm i'm his person so I got a lot of the emotional work that he was doing that all kids need to do came to me. And one of the really interesting things here, and I think this is a paradox, just as Ursula was talking about freedom and discipline, another paradox is this paradox of this honoring their wisdom, which can be timeless, honestly it could mm-hmm. be timeless. And some of our children ah. are very old souls, and at even at four, you know, Noah, you know, said the most amazing, wise things to me, like at age six, uh, that that blew me away, that were timeless. Um, uh-huh. You know, we would have conversations about God and spirit that were, and yet, as Jillian says, to hold this, like, I want to honor that. I don't want to make that small or limit that in any way. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, emotionally, uh completely unpredictable a little
1: uh-huh. a lot
0: a lot i have a very smart very passionate kid i love him to pieces but there's a but emotionally it was a minefield and i'd uh-huh. be walking along thinking that this was a clear path and boom you know
1: like a landmine <laughs> would blow up and i would think what did i do.
0: like I didn't do anything really I didn't do anything I didn't and this land this like randomness so when I, it, I think the biggest challenge for me about the teenagers was the complete and utter unpredictability randomness and needing to honor the brilliance of this kid and at the same time try to bring in some kind of boundary and help him develop emotionally uh, Ursula knows it there, there were times where I just uh, you know I don't know if I wanted to kill myself or kill him
1: so.
2: <laughs> I say to Chris yeah, sometimes I, I'm like I'm just gonna walk out I'm walking out well <laughs> walking it's a
1: out. it I you know it's I totally remember when uh, when uh, our kids were sort of like, I, I found the middle school years just absolutely terrible. And, you know, I, I said to my husband at one point, um, we had lived in England for 10 years and, you know, then had moved to Canada. And at one point I said to him, do you remember these really nice boarding schools that they have in England? Do you think we <laughs> could send our children there? <laughs>
0: Oh, God, this is great. Well, one of the things about all three of us is we have found some ways forward that sometimes felt like they were workable based on this idea of the seven levels in consciousness. And I wanted to talk about this in two separate ways just to be transparent because I think as parents there's always a big piece, which is what is the work I'm doing on me and then there's also the what am I going to offer to these children? So let's start. Let's start external. Let's mm. go with what have you done or are you doing using neuroscience or consciousness that you would be that you're really offering and working with your children on. And then we'll talk about how we've had to manage and grow ourselves.
2: Oh yeah. Mm. Um, so I can start if that's okay, Anne. Yeah, um,
0: please. Yeah, please. So we
2: we talk about the seven levels constantly in my house and we use a lot of brain language as well just and it's very very rudimentary very basic stuff just to help them but the biggest thing is so when my kids have a huge emotional blowout what I know now is that that's just what it is they're having a big feeling and they need my help it's not they're misbehaving or being terrible kids they actually need help and so the first thing I've been doing with the kids especially with Ander the little guy is I sit down with him and I get really close and I'm like oh I can see you're having a big feeling are you angry scared or sad so all of the three below the line, um, uh, mm. like the states, and just really identify. And he's two. So he isn't giving me anything right now. But the older girls can now identify. Mom, I'm really angry. Mom, I'm really sad. Mm. And then I know immediately mm. after we say that feeling, their brains are starting to come back online. And then the second thing I do is, is I'm, and I've said this to the girls since they were little, I'm like, okay, let's just wait. And I'll give you a big hug and we'll feel it while it moves. And when you're ready, when your brain's online, then let's figure out a solution. And we do this all the time. It's a part of, like, how we talk as a family, how we work. And we use that um, – I know you're both familiar with Dan Siegel, but, like, the hand model of the brain. So we do that. you uh-huh. flip your lid, let's bring your brain back, and then we'll figure out how to solve the problem.
1: Uh-huh. Wow. Brilliant.
0: What What capacity you're helping them develop. You know, you said that you talk about the seven levels all the time, and your kids are little. So how did yeah. you first start – talking about this like how do you if if, if somebody on who's listening wanted to
2: say like I'd love to talk about that but it seems a little complex for those little brains how did you do it You know, it's most, so we, I actually have that beautiful map that you both created on the fridge. So we actually use Mm -hmm. it as like a pointing tool. I know there's lots of other tools you can use where you can point to like a face instead to identify how you're feeling today. But I take the girls through it every once in a while. And I'm like, where are you today? What are you noticing? And they'll like point because they know the colors. So they're like, mom, I'm up in Uh here. And I'm like, well, what's got you there? And it's still, again, it's like very rudimentary. I would not test them on this (laughs) because it's like colors and then, but even just the act of identifying how how they feel and where they are. And are you above the line or are you below the line today? Like the conversation is so rich. I love it. You know, Jillian, one of the things. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No,
1: no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. you, You go.
0: One of Well, one of the things that I love about this, and this is really part of our model, is that it's not, and I know this is part of what you're doing with your children, it's not a good and bad model. It's not like, okay, we all have to be above the line. There's something about being able to, as a kid, and I know a lot of us didn't get this. I didn't get this. What I got is don't be a little miss don't be a little pissy because we don't like you when you're like that and so what i learned was to restrain either blow up or restrain my feelings because in my family i wasn't very popular when i was being bratty um and so being able to say just where are you and what has you there it it keeps i think children and all of us from suppressing these emotions that then have to
1: whoops you cut out Anne. oh i oh, we've just lost her that's that's uh, that's okay yeah Anne in at her house has um sometimes internet challenges so um oh right the con contin- yeah. Yeah, we just keep the conversation going between you and I. Um, what I wanted to say, Julian, is that I totally, um, really get the um, get this uh, thing about naming um, naming the emotion. I mean, this is really what this is when we when we have them identify where they are on the seven levels, and we know how amazing this is for the brain because when we can talk about how we feel, the brain really calms down. So it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful thing. And I, we've been trying. Oh, Uh, I'm (laughs) back. back. Yes, I I am. No problem. (laughs) Uh, So this is, I think, what is so helpful is that we help our children really articulate where they are, which really then, you know, calms them, calms them down. And I love what Anne said, and I see this in my, my little granddaughter, you know, I mean, I, I walked into the living room the other day, and she was sitting on the couch with a really very grouchy, very sad face, and, you know, I sat next to her, and I said, you look, um, you know, you look like you're sad or grouchy or, you know, so tell tell Oma what's you know, how are you, and what's this face, and... She was telling me about what happened and and I could see that by in in her little four year old mind just talking about what has upset her brought her to this place where she could actually smile again and so mm-hmm. I think what you're doing with your kids using the seven levels, helping them express how they feel is is huge because just like you and I don't believe in. You know, in Kennedy having to be happy all the time. I'm not happy all the time. I'm grouchy. Nice. I'm sad.
0: Yeah.
1: And wow. so you know, I said I said to her, Kennedy, Oma Oma knows how this feels. I, I can be grouchy. I can be sad. I have that face. You know, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's beautiful.
2: That's great. I love that language of like, you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be sad. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to be scared sometimes. Totally fine. And then don't fix it. Like just let mm-hmm. it run its course uh-huh. and do what it needs to do. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Uh, Julian, I wanted to build on something you said about, because I think this is really, if I had one piece of advice for anyone, it's, it's really what, what you said, and it's something that I did with Noah so the the biggest aha for me in learning about the brain, and Ursula had mentioned the chemicals, is that when I get triggered by something, get a little bit um, you know in a reactive state, part of what's happening is that the chemicals are flooding my brain and making it harder for me to connect with the other person be rational, think of a solution or anything. It's like we get very tunnel vision in this what, you know, Dan Goldman, the emotional intelligence guy calls an amygdala hijack. And if you've ever raised a teenager, they specialize in amygdala hijacks. That's the the landmine and part of it is because that's part of the job is to basically learn emotions, and it's also because there's just a hormonal impact that sometimes is too much to bear, lots of reasons for it. So, you know, one of the things that I learned as I was learning about neuroscience is that as long, first of all, when Noah would have an amygdala hijack, they're somewhat contagious unless you're aware and intentional, and even then. Uh So he'd get upset Uh because his shoelace broke or something, you know, completely random, usually Honestly, not anything that I had legitimately done. Because if I had legitimately done something, I could process it. And it was this, like, he's mad, and I don't even know why. Maybe there's a, mm-hmm. his shirt isn't clean or whatever. And so he'd blow up, and then I would get triggered as well. And then we would do this little dance of he would want to engage with me because he's more of a come toward and engage person. And I would want to get the hell away. Excuse my language. I would want to, like, get as far away from this emotion and this feeling as humanly possible. <laughs> like, I'm out. Like uh-huh. Julian said, I'm out. And so he would, we'd literally, like, he'd chase me around the house, kind of, you know, trying to engage me. And <laughs> and when I learned about the oh, – best, just not fun um, – and when i learned about the brain what i saw was any engagement was going to be unproductive for either one of us cuz neither one of us uh-huh. was really in our in our right mind yeah. and so i sat him down and i talked to him about this at a time when we were both calm and didn't even really use much neuroscience language i just basically said look you know sometimes we get into this dynamic and we both lose our ability to have a good productive conversation and I need a chance to just calm down. And then I promise you, once I'm calm, we'll deal with whatever's going on. Just give me that space. Because I knew that if he gave me 10 minutes, he would also have 10 minutes. And he said, well, but Uh I chase after you because I want to know that you're going to deal with this. Like what his dirty shirt or whatever (laughs) it was, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Crazy shit. Um, but I saw but that so and this to me, Jillian, really links into what you were saying. I had yeah. to promise, like, yes, I will, but let's just get let's let's do it in a way where both of our brains work. And yeah. I wanna let people know who are raising teenagers, this wasn't like magic oh. but it just it started dissipating, and I reminded him, just give me 10 minutes, and because we talked about it when we were calm, it started working. And I think by the time he went to college, uh, you know, certainly by the time he was 16, he was a little more mature, but we had also developed this strategy, and we got through we, – we, here's the thing that I'm really, really happy about. We remained very, very close Even in the midst of all of this, we didn't disconnect. And I think it's because of that strategy, that we didn't try Uh to have conversations
2: in the middle of a huge chemical influx. I think that's such a brilliant point. I think there is a myth, um, like a really popular myth in parenting that you have to discipline your children in the moment of an outbreak <laughs> or an out thing. And it's just like completely contrary. I can, and I've done it. Like, I'm not saying that I'm definitely sitting on a high yeah. horse, but I've had interactions with Zosha that I can remember where it's like, she's done something really like bad or wrong or whatever, like, like, like disrespected a rule or something like that. And she's in an amygdala hijack and I go in and say, you shouldn't have done that. And here's why. And she's just looking at me with just this like intense fury and I'm like nothing is going in I am not doing yeah. any kind of teaching or like yeah. quality parenting this is just me wanting to be the boss and be right and this isn't what I, my yeah. goal is and so it's like actually waiting until all the chemicals for everybody are gone and you're settled <laughs> and then dealing with it that's actually mm-hmm. that, that's what makes a difference but yeah yeah, oh, no, you're
1: absolutely I, like, love baby, I love that I love that because the, Bendy yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we when we have, uh, you know, when we have this influx of chemicals, we really can't hear. I mean, it really impacts, it impacts our hearing and it impacts our mm-hmm. vision. Our vision becomes really, really narrow and the the listening is, it flies out the window. You know, it's sort of funny, Jillian, as you were talking about, you know, discipline your children in the moment, what was coming through my mind was that only works on dogs. Dogs need to <laughs> be distant in the moment because they will not remember five minutes from now that they have no. picked up a piece of furniture. If it's your children, it's a different story. Yeah, you can talk back. You can oh. like have
2: the conversation. Totally. It's different. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. really yeah. great. I think the other the other thing that we have to, you know, the two things that I
0: just want to highlight and then I want to hear Ursula how you've used it with adult children. But the two things uh-huh. I want to highlight are the other thing that goes out is the contagiousness of this and being aware of that as parents that your child gets upset and we mirror we, in many ways, we mirror their response. This is what we're trained to do as, as human, trained or, or have evolved as humans. We have something called mirror neurons that, in any, if you have any level of sensitivity, if someone else is upset, your brain is going to be trying to make sense of it by firing those same patterns. We also, when people are really upset, there's a way that we that our smell responds to that and also helps us replicate their internal state. It's part of how we understand each other. But you know, for those of you like me who would find that every time your child gets upset or they've been naughty, you're mad, part of that is is that you're that's what's in the space and you're picking up on, and it's like getting the flu. so, you know, that getting everybody calmed down is really critical because you may be doing and saying things that you don't want to do or say as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then okay. empathy, the other thing that happens when we get flooded biochemically with this sometimes contagious upset Um is that the other thing that happens, as Ursula said, our hearing gets limited, our vision gets narrowed, and empathy goes out the window. And so this loving parent who loves and cares about their child is triggered as well and doing and saying and being mean when we are not mean. Mm -hmm. So just if that happens to you, you're not a horrible person. That is actually very, very normal and typical. But we need to work with that. We can work with it if we understand it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no, absolutely.
0: So what about adult children, Ursula? You've got girls in their 30s.
1: What's different? Yeah, what I know. Then? Aren't I lucky? Aren't I lucky? The brain eventually will come into full-fledged being and will be fully mature and all the problems will disappear. Well, not quite, but, you know, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it it really it really helps oh my god it was really interesting i mean i could watch it i mean i watched you know my 24 so there's five years age difference between our girls so when one was 20 the other one was 25 and i could see the brain of the twenty maturity of the brain and the maturity of the response of the 25 year old be a little bit different from the 20 year old and uh, so that. That has been really interesting. Um, I think my main, our main conversation when they really started to have jobs and stuff like that has always been about managing stress. I think that has been one of the biggest conversations uh, is really letting them know that if they push themselves too hard, too much that there are ineffective and self care so i talk a li- I talk a lot about um, how we need to take care of our brains and our bodies uh, to be really effective, including sleep um, so for me, the neuroscience um, of stress has really been an important uh, important factor, and this whole concept of um, having them be emotional intelligent, so really naming their emotion and what are those and define them, not just as, you know, sad and mad, but the subtleties of it. Uh, and so that has been hugely helpful both for me as a parent and I think also for them because they, they know just a little bit better how to calibrate um their workloads and and their stress levels um mm-hmm. so that is sort of mm. my main that has been my main has uh, been the main work if you want to call it that my main influence um you know as they were you know getting <coughs> you know older and getting married and stuff like that
0: I think that that is so important just from what I've seen in today's college students and young adults and there's a way that they are seems like they're just feeling more pressure and stress than than ever and Uh so that feels really critical you're making me think of um, just a quick story because I was thinking about you know also what have I done that's been more about working with Noah as an adult and What's really been interesting is that I've talked with him a lot about purpose, and one of the things in the research that the research is showing these days is that having a compelling purpose is one of the best buffers against anxiety and depression.
1: Uh-huh. And I
0: think that this is because I'm a life coach and have been a coach for, you know. 17 years and this is what you know and all three of us are coaches you know this is a really important piece that we do with our clients is to help them understand what's a resonant life not just a quote by society's definition successful life and so Noah called me at one point he said I want some advice about my girlfriend and in being you know in the moment able to restrain myself a little bit. I was went to curiosity rather than just giving him advice, which is not always the case. But on that day I was on and asked him a bunch of questions (laughs) and really, really what it came down to is that she was pushing herself and stressed and anxious and, and sad because she was pushing herself to do what she thought was expected of her. And what was Uh fascinating, he didn't, he didn't need any advice. He needed me to say, honey, you're being a great boyfriend and that's probably exactly what she needs to hear but his what he was able to pinpoint was she's not doing this for herself and uh-huh. it's causing all of this stress in her life and I keep asking her what do you want why don't you take a class that would be fun sweetie and he just he didn't need my advice he needed me to tell him he was doing the right thing but i was so proud of that one of those moments where i thought "Ah, uh, my work has you know all of the times oh. that i told him i don't care how much money you make mm-hmm. i want you to be happy what makes you happy what makes you fulfilled and that that has become uh-huh. ingrained in him and i think is this protective barrier against some of the rampant anxiety and depression that I think is really happening with our young people today. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's a really, uh, it's really a good point. I think this is also applicable, um, to smaller children. And I want to hear f- from Julian how she manages that. Um, it's really, um, it, it's like, I, I have, all, we have always, I should say we, my husband and I, we have encouraged our children not to be afraid to make a mistake. It was like, you,
2: mm. know, you,
1: don't need to figu- you don't need to figure out at the age of 18 or 19 what you will be doing for the rest of your life and therefore you have to pick a <laughs> college class if you have no idea what that is. You know, try something. And if it doesn't work, you try something else. And if that doesn't work, you try something else. It doesn't matter. You will eventually figure it out, and it doesn't have to be perfect. Make a mistake, and it will all be just fine. And giving them that kind of freedom to experiment, um, you know, I think this whole thing about depression and pressure, that has taken the pressure off them. It was just like, okay, this is what we're doing now, and if that doesn't work anymore, we'll do something else.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys have both modeled that as well in your own careers, being willing to change, being willing to move. You know, we do that all the time, you know, at Be Above. We, you know, it's like that old thing, like throw the spaghetti at the wall, see if it sticks, you know, and like, oh, it didn't <laughs> stick. Okay, fine. No big deal. We learned something. How, you, how I love Ursula asked this, but Jillian, how, do, how yeah. do you see this with your
2: little little ones? Well, and I think that w- what you just said, Anne, really resonates for me, is I think it's a lot about how you role model and the family, like, systems that you set up in your home. So one of the things, like, we do, and, I'd, and I'd, who knows if it's having an impact. We're, we're going to find out when they're older what damage we've done, and that'll be a fun conversation. <laughs> um, but um, so we don't, we try our best not to overschedule the kids. So we really have uh, lots of, like, evenings and weekends. We have tons of free time, and we sit so as a family in the morning on the weekends, and we decide what we want to do, and everyone gets to stay, and there's lots of space in our lives, which feels really good. Uh, so I feel like that's one uh-huh. way that we're really going to try to create a system where they understand that it's not about being great or awesome. And like, uh-huh. can I, can I oh, ask yeah, go ahead. something yeah.
1: about that though, Jillian? Yeah. Um. How did, so
0: this to me, I mean, we didn't have as much when Noah was growing up, but I hear parents talk now about all the things their kids like want to do and their sports and music yeah. and, yeah, yeah. you know, like, How do you manage not to overschedule when that feels
2: like the flavor like of the world. Like terrible parenting. Yes. It's actually, <laughs> no. it's, it's hilarious. It like Chris and I, parody. well, Chris and I have the conversation I think probably once a quarter at least where I will come to him in a panicked mode because I'm stressed about something else and this is how it's manifesting. And I'm like, should we put them more activities? They're so talented. I wonder if we should register them for more stuff. And I like come and he looks at me and he breathes <laughs> and he's like, we have this conversation every quarter. You know what our family values are don't do it. Step away from Facebook. It's going to be fine. And I'm like, right. Okay. Yes. I know what's right. Oh. <laughs> Honestly. And there's, oh. I wish there was an easy solution, but I feel like from now until the end of time, I'm going to be wondering all the things I'm doing wrong as a parent and like having to like continually check in and be like, okay, am I making a mistake? Is this what I should be doing? And the thing is, is you don't know. And so this is something I want, I think we should talk about too. But, like, the, I think the most important parenting tool that you will ever have is access to your intuition. That's it. Because every kid what? is different and every, like, era is different. And if you aren't connected to that that knowing, you won't know what the heck you're doing.
1: You know, just you know as I as love as as that. As getting... Go ahead, Ursula. I'm uh, this is a really good point, and uh, I think that the, uh, the 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 outside world puts so much pressure on uh, parents in various in various ways. From an early age, um, I remember being stopped in a store when uh, Jessica was in a stroller, like she was barely a year old, and some strange, unknown to me woman uh, asked me, "Should I not use a blanket on my child?" You know, because we were in a mall mm-hmm. and she was wearing just like no socks and just little shorts, Um, you know, and and from, you know, from a, from baby to even, you know, now, Mm -hmm. it's like the the outside world, you know, what Anne and I call consensus reality will Mm -hmm. try and nudge itself into our consciousness and try to unsettle the deep and inner knowing we have what's right for our children and I have to say, even as a grandparent, you, I mean, it's almost like I have to put stuff in my ears and just go, la, 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 I am just not going to listen to anybody.
2: (laughs) Well, and that's why I get so excited about the neuroscience piece, because all the science and evidence shows us why it's so critical to do this work, to be aware of where you are and when you're above the line, because I don't have access to my intuition when I'm angry at my kids or when I'm scared of something or when I'm feeling hopeless about work or something like that. So that, that, mm-hmm. I remember learning that at the first time I took the course from both of you and talking about it, and I'm like, oh, that was such a light bulb for me. It's like, that's why this work is so important, because I need to be able to access my intuition.
0: Ah. Yeah, and I love how you're saying, I mean, what I, I mean, intuition, that's a whole other conversation. And we believe it's a very, very complex system. And as Jillian, Jillian knows, um, but I want to just highlight something that you said is, you know, I think that whatever your understanding of intuition is, and, and we look at sort of all the different aspects of how our body and our brain and our, you know, energy is, is reading what's, you know, maybe a little below our conscious understanding. Um, and it's happening all the time. But as Jillian said, when we're angry, afraid, feeling hopeless, we can't hear it. We're really blocked from this other aspect of our being. And so that, knowing that as a parent, and I think that's a probably a good segue into, you know, what in terms of, you know, we talked about what we've done with our kids and, and the conversations we've had, what have we done for ourselves as parents Mm -hmm. um, in this process using seven levels in neuroscience? And I think, you know, there's more, but I really want to say, you know, like learning that I need to check in with my intuition and I have to be above the line to do that is a really important um, piece. Uh Uh Jillian, what else do you feel like you've, yeah, you've used this? Uh,
2: (laughs) This is such an, like, it's so ingrained in who I am now. It's, funny to try to pull it apart but so here's one my one example i am i get really triggered by being ignored like it, re- like it sends me right over the edge if I ask the girls to put on their pajamas and then they wander off to go play or if I ask them to put on shoes and it's like why isn't anyone putting on shoes and I'm like and I say to Chris I'm like am I talking to myself I'm talking to myself no one can hear me it's wonderful and I can and I it's like I can, can actually feel my brain unhinging and just everything coming apart and so I have lots of tools that I use because I can see what's happening I'm going into frustration and it's also like we won't go into wounds today I know where my wound is and why that one really bothers me but the fact that I've done that work and spent the time figuring out why am I triggered what's happening in my body and my brain right now and how will this impact my kids and my family if I don't bring myself online so doing that work first and then get yourself all the tools so my favorite tool is honestly just to like stand completely still and close my eyes and just breathe And just breathe and breathe. And my kids know now, too. So if I'm standing in the corner with my eyes closed, breathing, they're all like, oh, shoot, what did we do? (laughs) Like, I think maybe there's a little fear thing going around. But inevitably, like, because they can see me and they know that that's my tool, then we all kind of come back together with a bit of kindness. Like, mom, are you okay? What's going on? And then I'm like, oh, Okay. Can everybody please put shoes on? I would like to go to the dinner on time. Thank you. And so that works for me. Not all the time. Sometimes I lose it. But most of the time I can pull my brain back.
0: Nice. Oh, (laughs) nice. I love that. That
1: is beautiful.
0: Ursula, how about you?
1: Oh, and... This has been such an 18-year-long journey of just amazing discovery. I am not the same human being anymore that I was 18 years ago, and I am just grateful to the universe that it appeared on time so that whatever damage I did the previous, you know, 18 years to my children, I think, <laughs> got fixed <laughs> later on. <laughs> um, oh. Enough because my children are married and now we also have in-laws, of course, and so life has gotten a whole lot more layered and a lot more, um, you know, opportunities for triggers because there's other people now in my life that also have opinions. Um, So I am really, I use the seven levels on a daily basis. Somebody says something to me, you know, like, the kids will say well you know this christmas we you know will be spending with you know the in-laws and i am just present yep i've just gone to frustration and i keep my mouth shut and i will not respond until i'm at least in engagement and mm. that 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 recovery of not be, I mean, you know, and it's as N knows, you know, I get triggered and then, you know, all kinds of shit happens and, you know, I disappear and, you know, get silent and don't answer emails anymore and all that kind of stupid stuff. (laughs) However, as it relates to my children, I really can really and honestly say there is very little that triggers me below the line.
2: And Mm. I think
1: the impact of that has been that, we can talk about anything they they Mm. come to me with anything it's even like okay that's too much information thank you i don't need to know that um but (laughs) but they they know i will not react i mean inside my heart might break or burst or you know i need to maybe you know, later on, go back, have tea, and sort of cry into my pillow. But while they are there, I will not react. I will be loving, I will be kind, and I will be accepting. And that is just huge. Wow. And that has taken 18 years of seven levels, 18 years of that journey, 18 years of doing that consistently.
2: So only 18 years, and then I'll be able to reach that. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Well, you you started a lot
1: earlier earlier. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Oh gosh,
0: Amazing. I relate to I relate to so much of what both of you are saying, and I'm trying to think of. So yes, I mean probably those are both the biggest. The biggest things for me as well, also what I talked about, was recognizing that I can't have a productive conversation if I'm triggered. And then I think there's this other piece that I, you know, it's one of the things that I have come to realize about the importance of coaching, which is that there was no time in my life when I needed a coach more than when I had a new baby at home. Mm -hmm. And half the world was telling me that I should stay home and be a mom and half the world was telling me I was had all this potential and I should be out making stuff happen in the world. And no one was asking me, what do you want? Mm, and yeah. I think that there's a piece about where this has been helpful. One of the areas that Ursula and I study and teach is this area of understanding how much this this idea that we need a certain amount of stimulation in order to produce dopamine and adrenaline and actually have us be engaged in life and be as smart as we can be, put our higher brains sort of in their sweet spot. And you know, there's a you need a certain amount, but if it goes too much, then you've lost that. And there's a there's for me. One of the things that I was able to do, so for when I was a single mom, um, from about the time that Noah was about 15 on, um, certainly the last three years that I had him at home, I traveled a huge amount of time. And there was a real push-pull in that because he was my, you know, beloved Uh son. High school, they need you a fair amount in high school, you know, and Uh and you're lucky if you get those moments where they really want to talk. And I felt like, you know, there's a part of me that was – that felt like I might have been missing something. And I know a lot of parents can relate to this. But for me standing in, wait a minute, what's too much, what's too little, what's just right? Like what is my just right in terms of parenting, both parenting him and pursuing my work? And, and those three years uh-huh. were highly productive for me. Um, but I kept asking myself, well, I don't want to, you know, I need to, there's still, there's too little in terms of him in my life. Like I need that too. And this dynamic tension of always being able to say, I'm not a bad parent because I'm traveling. In fact, how can I bring him with me? Which he did know I got to see a lot of the world, um, in, in those years, um, and I'm, you know, and I'm not a bad person because I'm focused on my career. And I'm also not a bad career person because I've said this time is for Noah. And
2: uh-huh.
0: that gave me a way of being with that that felt like guilt
1: got put to rest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's such a good point, and and this is something that I didn't have uh, at the time when my kids were little, and I remember the pain of not being able mm-hmm. to find this just right. You know, I this is you know thirty six years ago. You know, daycare and all that, and we lived in England where you were either rich ned, and a nanny, or you know you stayed at home, and that was the end of it. it that pain I still remember of not being able to figure out. My, I knew what my just right was, and I felt that the world was against it.
0: Yeah, because your your just yeah. right
1: wasn't twenty four
0: seven with kids.
1: No, and for it some
0: wasn't. people, for some people it is, and for some people, you know, it's we're all different in terms of 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 you know what we need there, and and being able to explore that for ourselves, I think, is really part of unlearning supermom. Like, what is it? You're not a bad mom because you don't want to be with your kids 24-7. Who knew? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah. we've got to wrap up. I could keep talking like this for hours. It's been so fun. Jillian, how do people find you um, if they want more of your amazing wisdom and and to learn for themselves how to not be super mom or dad
2: yes absolutely well it's funny um in the interests of walking our walk we're taking a break so my uh, my partner and I Rachel Butler and I run on learning supermom and we're taking a break off of social media and doing any work for the summer to actually relax and hang out with our families which is going to be great um, but we have our website so it's www.unlearningsupermom.com and we're on Instagram at supermom and that's that's it. We're taking it. We're trying to cut back as much as we can and put our energy into the things that really feel good. So um, September, Mm. we've got some cool things happening.
0: Awesome. Mm. Wonderful. Um, And Ursula, if people want to know more about the
1: above. Yes, be above, and we, we are sort of, uh, I wouldn't exactly call it taking a summer break, but we are trying, <laughs> we are trying <laughs> to slow down a little bit um, in July and August. Um, we don't have any new courses starting um, this this fall, we're just finishing some, uh, some, some stuff up. However, um, you can find what we, we have a couple of webinars for um, coaches, and just explore all the seven levels on our website which is www.beaboveleadership.com and we are starting new coaching courses and advanced coaching program um, in 2019 in various locations and that's all on the website Um, so thank you oh my gosh that was so fun thank you so much Jillian thank you so much oh thank you beautiful
0: absolutely a delight both of you I think we should do this more often
1: I was just going to say I'm like we have so many more
2: things to talk about we do there will
1: be there will be be parenting above the line number two so there you go (laughs) okay okay everybody all right
0: thanks everybody yeah all right thanks thanks, everybody
1: take care bye-bye